Welcome to the Grasping Life Podcast. I'm your host, Lane Kimbrough. I just graduated from George Fox University, and I'm on a journey to become the absolute best version of myself, and it's inspired me to start this podcast to speak to exceptional people on all areas of life, mindset, purpose, faith, and so much more. I'm really excited you're here. In this season, I speak with eight stellar George Fox University 2020 graduates on their unique backgrounds, time at George Fox, mindset about life and faith, and how they're approaching the future. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, Evan Ingstrom, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, We recorded probably about three or four weeks ago now, and something on my end, it was definitely my fault, my audio didn't work. And so this is round two for us, and I'm just very thankful that you're here and you're giving another shot. Hopefully it'll be better than the last one. (laughs) I probably won't stutter as much, so... (laughs) I think it goes both ways. Both have a little more experience with it. So Evan, I'd love to start out. You kind of just maybe start out where, where did you grow up and kind of what, what was your family life like and growing up until, until high school up to college? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Medford, Oregon. Uh, it's like, I would say a tiny town, but it's not a tiny town. It's like 80,000, hundred thousand people. Um, felt like a tiny town, I guess. Uh, but grew up, uh, my mom and I, uh, so single mom, um, and then like always pretty close to family, uh, like my grandparents, my cousins were all pretty tight. Um, but just kind of like life was pretty simple. It was just like, you know, BMX, like BMX everywhere you go, like, and when you're not BMXing, you're skating. Uh, and when I'm not on that, I'm on my dirt bike. Like that's pretty much like my childhood grew up around motors all the time. Uh, consequently not cars, uh, but tried building things and, you know, in high school ended up having a ton of cars, uh, just like bought, you know, kind of junkers or smaller, like, you know, cheaper cars and just fixed them and kind of grew that passion. Uh, and that's pretty, that's like a quick, very quick synopsis of like my, like life up through high school kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's good. I just want a little background. And so now you're, you're at George Fox or we, we just graduated, we were, I guess, yeah. but, and so describe just what your major is and that'll lead to the next questions. Yeah. So, um, I majored in, uh, organizational communication, uh, with a minor in cinematic arts. Um, and a little explanation of what that is, is kind of like business marketing with an emphasis on people and interaction. Uh, so I learned a lot about, um, just how to, how to read situations well, how to, how to be uh, a more self-aware individual, how to be more dynamic, uh, which consequently just like helps in business interactions when you're meeting with, you know, so many different people of, with different personality types. You just kind of learn how to work in a team better, how to be more of a team player yourself. Um, it's a lot of people skills, honestly. And I think that like soft skills, uh, which can be people, you know, like kind of depending on like hard, hard skill based, like major like programs, like, you know, science or engineering, it may seem a little bit less, uh, like relevant, but at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't have soft skills, you are not going to be as, uh, like utilized within a company or, um, Mm -hmm. or as understood. Uh, so Mm -hmm. it's kind of where like people in my traditional role would go into uh, in a company 
Yeah, no, it's interesting. You mentioned the soft skills and you say that maybe it's not as technical or in one of these more technical roles, but you kind of are going into a technical role, very technical that not many people just naturally know, which is being like a videographer slash video editor. Is that how you describe it? Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of, yeah, that's pretty much it right now. Like I'm more of a, uh, like a DP, which is a director of photography. Um, which basically means like in the commercial world, I'm the person behind the camera. Um, just because I'm going into a more commercial world than I am, uh, kind of like wedding videography, even though I do weddings still and everything like that, it's like my main emphasis is commercial work. So kind of rolling with the commercial titles. Uh Yeah, that's good. I just bring that up because we've talked about this too, but you're a creator, right? Mm -hmm. And you're creator. Like that's the emphasis I would put on your type of work. And it's very, it's not cut and dry. It's very, very creative and it's very Mm -hmm. out there. I mean, you're shooting videos for, you know, like a Lamborghini, right? You did kind of a mock Lamborghini video, Mm -hmm. right? And you did, you're doing all this kind of stuff. And so I just, you know, how would you describe how would you define a creator, which is kind of how you define yourself? I mean, I think everybody is a creator uh, and I feel really passionate about that because uh, I think it's really freeing when you kind of realize that you are a creator. Um, Anyone, you know, regardless of if your passion is like an arts and crafts kind of thing, whether it's like sewing, uh, whether it's, drawing, painting, uh, you know, building things, food, like everybody, like, you know, whatever your passion is, you are creating something or you're likely creating something. Um, therefore you're a creator and it's, you don't have to sell things or you don't have to do things and exchange it for money to be a creator. Uh, even though that's a pretty empowering thing to be able to like make something and have someone buy it or pay for it. Um, that's like a really cool feeling. Um, it isn't like the prerequisite to becoming a creator. So that's like my PSA all the time. And my CTA is just like, go like, like believe that you're a creator and then start creating your thing with that mentality. Yeah. And I agree with that. I, I I would definitely resonate that. I think everyone is a creator because Mm -hmm. everyone that has a social media post, they post on social media. That's a create, that's a creative thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not cut and dry. It's you're being a creator and you're putting yourself out there and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, I mean, talk to me something that really kind of speaks and we've, we've spoken about this is being kind of um, really the challenge of putting yourself out there and being a creator. Like what's the <clears throat> challenge of having your work and like putting, putting your name to it when maybe, you know, it's not perfect. <laughs> oh man. There's some, I mean, I could kind of go on so many different aspects here. Like the challenge, the challenge of like putting yourself out there is super scary. Um, like it, I think it's the challenge is predominantly inward, uh, at least for me. Um, so I like, I get, um, I can explain this a little bit more too if you want, but uh, I didn't have a very traditional entry into film uh, and I kind of stumbled upon it. Um I'm a person of faith, so I pretty much have a strong, you know, belief that like God kind of led me to this because it's like I'm in it now. And it's like, man, I wouldn't want to do anything else. Um, It's like my passion. But consequently, I have uh, I have a really hard time um, 
dealing with uh, like imposter syndrome, which basically is like, I don't feel like I am supposed to be where I am. Or I feel like sometimes I'll be like, man, am I really like good at this? Uh, so when I'm like sending a client project out, it's kind of a thing of like, oh, uh, <laughs> like I, I have to like, I inward check myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this going to, is this going to suck or are they going to hate it? You know, like it's kind of that big thing. But I think when you, at least for me, I'm still getting through this point of like not making things for just for people, which is hard. Cause I, I like, I'm giving a client a project. I'm giving them a product that they use to like make more money. You know, like it's all these things. It's like, it's really like in, in the end I'm making something for someone, but I have to realize that I'm making it for myself, like to what I think is good. And they're buying that service. They're paying for like my creative mindset. Um, so that's still something that I have to keep telling myself over and over again of like, they chose me to do this project like it'll be okay. And if you have a hard project, it's okay. Like it'll, you'll get around it. You'll, you'll improve. Um, I just had one of those last week, so I can even dive into that too later on. But yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, you bring up the imposter syndrome and it's something we've both talked about and I've talked about it with even Joel, like creating a podcast and miles getting into his film and like a bunch of other people that it feels like to the outside world, it looks good. I mean, and it can add value, but there's almost like this disconnect between like why you got into film is because you can see like how good it can be and how effective and how much you love it. Yeah. But then like maybe your talent level isn't necessarily where you want it to be yet because you're so new to it. Yeah. Right? yeah. A little bit. And so like, but that's kind of almost, almost like that gap is what keeps getting you better and keep what keeps making you better. Is like that gap between where you know you can be and maybe where your work is now. And the thing is too, like where your work is now, it's phenomenal. Like it really is. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, like it, like it's so good, but you still see how you can be better. And so there's, there's that want for perfection. So I'm, I'm just curious how, like, how have you, how, I mean, obviously you're still putting out videos, right? You're still yeah. putting out videos. You're still doing work. Um, even though you feel that kind of sense and that pull of imposter syndrome. So just explain like, how do you, how do you deal with imposter syndrome and how do you keep overcoming it? Um, partially, I feel like I can't answer fully just because I, I get, it's kind of dynamic. Um, but I think I like, I'm a perfectionist, uh, which is good and bad. Uh, it's good in this aspect because I hold myself to a really high standard but it's bad because I can't always achieve what I feel like I need to. Um, like uh, a good example on that would, was like, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I had that project last week uh, that didn't go as planned. Um, and it was just cause like external circumstances. There's, it was the first time because of COVID stuff dealing with, uh, you know, a virtual director. I FaceTimed my director in, as I shot this piece remote um, and what shots looked good on FaceTime uh, did not like weren't wide enough. It wasn't like the shot looked bad or it was like the camera settings were off or something. It was uh, just the fact that it wasn't wide enough. Um, so like the, the subject and the, the kind of whole meaning of the piece wasn't like, wasn't conveyed as well. Um, and I was super hard on myself, um, because of that. Uh, 
and like, I guess, um, I kind of had to realize that it wasn't directly like my fault, uh, even though it's, you know, I'm the one responsible for the image that you see. Um, so it is still my fault. I still take responsibility for that. Um, but I think I have to realize that circumstances happen and things will continue to happen in your career that don't go as planned. Um, and it's not going to be the most defining moment. Cause when that happened, like when I got their feedback, my first thought was, Oh, there goes this client relationship or like, there go like my career's toast kind of thing, you know, like, like my mind goes to like such high extremes. Um, but I had to realize that like, no, just work, you know, work with them, be, be like persistent, be kind, uh, be determined to get the project done, do it well. Um, and like at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to do it. It'll be done well. And you're going to move on to the next project and your career is not over. Like I have to kind of bring myself back down to reality. Um, just because I deal with such like craziness like that, um, just in my head, I just battle myself, I guess. Um, but then like, Another thing that helps a lot is I do a lot of like macro cinematic shots um, with like slow-mo cameras with some friends of mine. Um, And I just did one yesterday just in my living room, uh, just with a normal camera. But that's like something that helps kind of break that gap of perfection because it's, it's macro, right? So I'm focusing like one-to-one to an, to an object. So this was like for a coffee commercial. So I'm like, I'm like an inch away from this like French press kind of thing, you know? So it's like everything you see is like perfect. Um, so that I have to get it perfect. And if I don't, like if there's one smudge, it, it will, it will look horrible. So, you know, like talk about like, like being persistent to get something done. Well, it took, you know, it took like all day to get like eight shots kind of thing. Um, and like some people that would suck, but to me, I was like living. Cause I'm like, I'm, I have full control over everything. Uh, I don't know. That's just another kind of another thing of how I like kind of overcome it because I'm trying to like, make sure that, uh, I can see like my eyes tuned to these things, if that makes sense. So I can see like a smudge. So when I'm on set and I'm not shooting a macro thing, I can be like, Oh, there's a smudge on that item in the background or like there's a smudge Mm. on this, you know, just like little things that'll make it punch. Yeah. That attention to detail. And Mm -hmm. you say like doing it eight times, right? You're doing that same video eight times. And I think I'm forgetting exactly who says it, but I think it's in atomic habits where he says there's this example of this professor that had an art photography class. Right. And a lot of newbies getting into art photography and they, he gave, he split the class into two different groups. And so one group, he said, okay, I want you to create one picture the entire semester, but I want it to be the absolute best that it can be. One picture is it. And then he said, I want the other group. I want you to, I'm going to grade you on as many pictures as you can do. So like a hundred pictures you do throughout the semester is an A, 90 mm-hmm. is a B, 80 is C, whatever, etc. And guess what group had the better pictures by the end of it? The, the latter. The latter, yeah, the group that had to do it a ton, right? And the reason for that is we, I mean, we can, we have all these philosophies and ways that we think we can do something, but until we actually do it and learn by doing it, it doesn't actually translate into growth and into success, I guess, in in what you could say. And so I just, something that was really interesting you told me too, is you did this little challenge called create for a day, 
or create mm-hmm. every day. Every day right? yeah. So explain what that is and kind of why that started. Yeah. So like <laughs> kind of the background on how that started, uh, I ended up applying to an internship that I didn't really want. Right. Um, but I knew I would get good experience through it. Um, so I applied to the internship and I didn't hear back. Uh, so I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not just going to sit around and like waste this semester, like waste this year of like creating. Uh, so I had like freelance projects, you know, um, but it's like the semester. So it's not, um, the freelance projects aren't as consistent as they like are now or to like a seasoned freelancer. Um, so I just kind of wanted to, like I had, I had these like goals, like kind of listed out of like areas that I needed to improve on. My editing was a big thing that I needed to do improve on, like with my speed, with intricacy, like just being able to do different things. Um, and then also, uh, I wanted to be able to kind of shoot to edit, if that makes sense. So like, I wanted to, rather than just like spray and pray everything I see and then edit and kind of like, you know, lob, like lob this video somewhere. Like I wanted to be able to say like, Ooh, that's the thing I need to shoot and like know how to get it exactly in camera. So that like when I'm in post, when I'm editing it, I know exactly where it goes. Like I just wanted to kind of build that, like those, uh, links in my head of like how to do it. Um, so I made the create every day challenge, uh, and I posted it all the time. Anytime I, like I tagged the hashtag, anytime I, posted it myself um and just encouraged people because i noticed like within a week of doing it my editing speeds like tripled like it was pretty astronomical uh and what was pretty amazing is i i like kind of like from that i ended up doing a client project that uh utilized a lot of the techniques that i was like experimenting with with my create create everyday challenge like all these like whip like in camera transitions and stuff and i i had two client commercials that I did for this client. And I literally did all the techniques that I was practicing and I made a really good chunk of money off of. And I think I, that kind of, that realization to me was like, Oh, Whoa, like this is more than just like fun. This is like, I just like kind of, I just increased my skills to make a really engaging commercial with these clients. Like that was pretty cool. Um, and honestly, what was really dope too is uh, not a lot of people took up the challenge because I also don't have like a crazy following, but like um, not a lot of people like took up the challenge, but the people that did, it was cool to really see their work because they tagged the hashtag as well. Um, and they also talked about how, you know, it was exciting for them to grab the camera again, or it was, you know, they were, they were like experimenting with new things and it's kind of like a low risk situation. Uh, you just, you mm-hmm. know, if you screw up a shot, you screw it up and you just post it anyways. You kind of just make shitty work just to to make less shitty work in the future. I mean, it just sounds like doing it over and over and over again just makes you just exponentially like you grow, right? And you keep learning and you keep getting better just by doing. Like you can study all these philosophies and practices, but until you actually do it, it makes a big difference. Something that's interesting you said about posting too was that when you posted and maybe you don't have a huge following, but the people that engaged with it, like they grew as well. And you got mm-hmm. to see that and kind of go on their journey. And I mean, full transparency, like one of the reasons for this podcast is that I get to connect with like-minded people. Yeah. Right? So let's say, I mean, you see in your following, like who's, who's similarly minded to me, like who, who you know, who's excited about the same mm-hmm. things that I am and you get to identify those people. So even if it's not that 
big of a group, like it's a place to start and you get to connect with those people on a deeper level. Yeah. That's kind of the way I was looking at it too. Oh yeah. And it's, I think I get, I just get excited about probably like same as you. I get excited about the ability to like, to not only create, like, I mean, as, as a content creator yourself too, I'm sure you hear this all the time, like, cause you're making a podcast. So like you hear people say like, you need to create like quality content, like creating quality content will build an audience, you know, in its own, mm-hmm. uh, all these things. That's like high expectations, but in all, all actuality, it's like not just quality. It's like, you want to create like meaningful content. Like you mm-hmm. want to, you want to create something. You want to have that interview that like resonates with someone that, inspires and sparks like a life change you know you want you want people to like to listen to your podcast and not to like self-gratify you in a way but it's like a way to be like that person's like hey i listened to your podcast and i just like i quit my day job and i went and started pursued my dream you know like something like that like you want to hear that and it's like um i think the same thing for me in that sense of like if i can help someone grow in their skill or like discover a passion like Mm-hmm. even if it's just like to, to realize that, that they're, they're okay in whatever moment that they're sitting in or something, you know, like on a, like a less like crazy drastic level of like quitting your job or something like that's, mm-hmm. it's still impactful. Cause you're at the end of the day, you're like impacting people's hearts and like their minds. And I think Absolutely. that's like, the, that's the goal of a content creator is you make something meaningful. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I can definitely resonate that. I feel like it, feels like God's call on my heart to do this, right? It doesn't, yeah. I mean, it feels, it feels good. Like it's exciting, you know, and it, it just, you feel right doing it. And so I, I can totally agree with that. And I think a big part of that too, with like resonating with people is that authenticity, right? Yeah. And that being your real self. And it feels so much better to put something out knowing that's who I am. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, that's, that's who I want to be or, you know, and just being able to identify that. And so I'm curious just as a content creator, cause I think, we see it so much in this world, like on social media, where it feels like a highlight reel sometimes, yeah. right? And it feels almost inauthentic. Like it doesn't feel like real life. So how do you think about authenticity as mm-hmm. a content creator and kind of get away from that in, in, inauthenticity? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's hard. Cause like another aspect for film is like your, your reel or your website. And the thing I think about a lot too, is like, like right now, like in the middle of this pandemic, um, I would say like 75 to 80% of my income is coming from videos that are not showcased on my website. Um, not in a way, not that they're bad because they're really cinematic and they're very nice, but they're it's like church sermon videos and things that I'm doing for, for churches or, um, you know, things to kind of help out in the community, but it's also helping me obviously because it's income. But um, like it's, in a, in some way, shape, or form, I contribute to that because I'm not posting everything. Uh, and I don't think you need to post everything. Like, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. But what I do like is posting kind of like, not like vlogs, but little self-thoughts of like, I'll be sitting there and I'll say, like, say something. Um, could be meaningful, could be shit. I don't know. Um, or like, uh, one thing that's really helpful too for me is just the fact of like, uh, I love showing like my set, like last night, like I said, I was yesterday, I was making a, a coffee commercial and I showed the behind the scenes on my Instagram of what the set looked like. And it's authentic because I'm, I wasn't in a professional studio using a ton of crazy gear. I was in my kitchen 
uh, we had bed sheets uh, and blankets used as dampening and like as uh, like to like block light. And I had one, I used one LED light and I used like just, you just kind of used what you had. Um, and I think that always helps me. I guess I see the value in just like the ordinary things, if that makes sense. Um, and I kind of, I don't know. I, it helps me relate to others when they post something similar. Like when I see that professional that's, that like does something really sketchy with a rig or something, you know, and like, or they're just like, Hey, they're open and authentic about like, man, I'm in a creative block, things like that. Like, I think that's just kind of what I want to try to relate to as well. Cause it happens to everybody. Like you don't become a professional and never have to deal with creative block ever again. Like, um, so kind of on that, you mentioned your faith earlier too. And so mm-hmm. how does that, how does that, or do you feel like it impacts your faith or it impacts your creating? Yeah, I think, let's see. That's a great question. Um, I think it impacts more so like my mindset behind it. If that makes sense. I don't, cause not all the time. It, I don't think it impacts each project. I think I just have this cool sense of like, I feel like maybe responsibility might be a wrong word for it, but like, I feel a desire to like spark an, uh, an impact, like, like create an impact for somebody. Um, whether that's like, you know, just like emotion or whether that's like, whether it's, uh, it, it kind of sparks change, sparks someone to do something, to donate something to like, to, to move, to do, you know, to whatever it is. Like, um, I think just the fact that what something I create can cause someone to have that kind of reaction or that impact, I think that is pretty spirit spirit led because it's like, like, I feel like God will speak to them in whatever they need to hear. And I don't always say, like, I don't feel like it's like, you know, each video, like my car commercial is going to make them like come to faith, but like, what you know it's like i believe like things are spirit-led even if you're not really a believer like uh it can happen in the sense of like you you know someone someone sees a car commercial i did or something and they and it makes them think of their grandpa that they haven't texted in like two weeks or something like that and they just go oh i need to call my grandpa something like that like and those aren't things that are really measured like they're not measurable um, and that's fine by me because I don't really like, I don't, I don't want that self gratification. Like that's something that I being transparent, like I try not to like be self gratifying. Uh, and that's something that I struggle with because obviously I create things. So I want people to like them. Um, so I have to be really persistent to try not to, to like do things for gratification like that. Um, so I don't know. I just, I just think God will use it. Um, he'll use projects. He'll use, uh, he'll use like the medium of video to, to reach people's hearts and in, in ways that are like on a spectrum of like, you know, like I said, texting a loved one or like, you know, maybe a complete life change. Maybe someone realizes that they're, they're kind of floating through space right now and they're not really like doing what they want and they should, they should pursue that career in music. They should, you know, go make music just because it's what they want or, you know, whatever. That was a direct shot straight to Kevin 
and Steve, if you're li- if both of those people are listening, freaking make your music. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> shout out Kevin and Steve. Yeah, Maybe they're the Kevin. ones that need to hear this. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Those are two incredibly incredibly uh talented individuals that like I will see on like you everyone will see them make music one day. Like mm-hmm. like no doubt about it. It's pretty crazy. Sorry. That's awesome. Random tangent. <laughs> no, it's, I know it's good. Well, I think it's I think it kind of just almost that emphasis that, and I, you know, as a believer, like I truly believe that God can call all of our lives, like whatever, whatever we're doing, I think we can minister in. Yeah. Right. And it emphasizes that we don't have to be, you know, doing like this traditional ministry. We can be creating video or we can create a podcast or you can work in finance or wherever it is. And I think you can still minister to God. Right. And I think he calls all his people to do that. So I think that's super interesting. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you a question? Can I flip it around? Please. How do you feel um, about like going into the finance world and being, cause like, you know, like you talked about uh, you can minister in every situation. So like mm-hmm. wanna kind of like talk about that, because I think that's like, it just, you saying that reminded me of like, it, I guess it reminded me of the thought of like how, well, for one, how most people are bad with their finances but then also a lot of Christians are bad with their finances as well. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you feel about ministering uh, in the financial world? Yeah, that's a super great question. And honestly, I've been, I think I've been thinking about it a lot and I've actually had a lot of people ask me about it. Like people that are Christians are like, you're going to work on wall street. They're like, what, what the heck? They're like, why would you do that? They're like, that's not very godly, right? Or that's not very Christian. And kind of the way I flipped it to them is I was like, maybe there needs to be more Christians on wall street. Right. I mean, I I think I have confidence that, I mean, I think I'm sure my beliefs are going to be tested in certain ways and, you know, it's not, I think it's important to surround yourself with similarly valued people, like people that value the same things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm honestly encouraged because I think, I think all parts of the, you know, wherever people get scared to go into, maybe that's where God calls us the most. Right. And that's where that's where we need to be, you know, the biggest light. And so I'm excited for it, honestly. I mean, it's, you know, a super, it should be a super fun environment where I get to, I'm confident that I get to be myself and mm-hmm. I'll be, you know, loved for that anyway. And so I'm excited to same thing, just fulfill that mission that I feel, I truly feel like God placed on my heart as well. So yeah, no, that's a good question though. Yeah. That was a great answer too. Um, yeah, man, I, I have to say it too, real quick. I hate the fact that someone tells you that. Oh, that's that's not very godly. Like, what? Like, what the heck? God like calls us to make, like be smart with our finances, and like, and, like how is the like the world of finance? People watch The Wolf of Wall Street, and they just like yeah, exactly. Like, oh, that's what that's what it is. Goldman Sachs. He's gonna yeah. all these things. He's gonna be addicted yeah. to coke. Like that's not yeah. Like, what the heck? That's not the case. Like. I'm sure there are people like that, that, you know, there's people like that in every freaking industry, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I think you're definitely going to be utilized. I like the fact that you said you feel like your beliefs are going to be tested. I think that speaks a lot of kind of like your maturity too, because you, you're kind of preparing it and it's not in a way of like, you're going into the fire. It's like everybody's beliefs are going to be tested, but most mm-hmm. people don't feel like they're going to. Like their, their beliefs are like, they're, they're like, Oh, I'm foundationalized. I got this. And they overhype themselves. And they're like, no, God's got me. I'm like, yeah, God's got you. But like, 
you're going to have shitty moments. Like you're going to have like, mm-hmm. you, you haven't experienced the lowest low yet. You haven't mm-hmm. experienced the highest high. Like, you know, there's all these different things, but like just hearing that you're already like, yeah, no, it's going to be tested. Like, I'm sure it'll be like, you're like, you have that confidence in God and confidence in your beliefs, but you also have that reality check of like, no, mm-hmm. it's, there's going to be times where it's tested for sure. Like, yeah. So that's, I think that's really, really admirable. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's kind of interesting because I think when we're tested the most, I think that's when God teaches us the most. Mm-hmm. Right? And oh, so, something you know, going through the fire, like going through the fire, that's how like metals forged, right? Mm-hmm. And the super strong things. And I'm not saying I'm, you know, relating myself to metal, but I think sometimes when you're kind of, when things aren't easy, I mean, that's, that's when you grow the most and that's when you hopefully pursue him the most and like to get the closest to him is when you, when you really need him like that. Yeah. 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 No, Mm -hmm. I love that. And also if you were a metal, you'd be like a Damascus steel kind of guy. I feel like, you know, (laughs) thank you. I don't even know if I know what Damascus steel is, but it sounds really good. (laughs) You diamond plated. All right. We'll take that. Yeah. I mean, diamond, that's the thing is like diamonds. It's under extreme pressure. It's how a diamond is created. Yeah. Right? Like we see this perfect result, but it's under extreme pressure. And we're in a world where we don't want to do anything that we don't want to do. We're in a world where we don't want to hear anything that we don't want to hear. But sometimes hearing those things and like having our beliefs challenged, because guess what? Like we're 21, 22 years old right now. I mean, I think every, at any age, people do not have it all figured out. Yeah. Okay? yeah. We don't have it figured out. And so by testing some of these beliefs that maybe we've had forever that have never been tested, it actually gets under the surface. And I think it makes these roots even stronger in so many ways. And guess what? If we change some of our beliefs, maybe that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be a super good thing. And yeah, being around people that are different to you is, I think it's a great, it's a great perspective. And then, you know, the world's a big place. So. Dude, I, I mean, I think about that a lot. Like people, I think especially Christians, um, depending on, you know, like however they're raised, like some raised Mm -hmm. extremely conservative, some extremely liberal, you know, or some in the middle, I feel like I was more in the middle. Um, but like I had certain people in my life that are like, Oh, you don't want to go do this thing. They're, they're, they're liberal or like, and I was like, uh, okay, I'm still going to do this. Thanks. You know, thanks like aunt, whatever. Like, I don't know. I think like, that's such a, that's such a waste of potential. If you live in this fear of like, Oh, I don't want to like, I shouldn't go here because they're like this or I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this because it'll change the way I think. And I'm like, well, what if I change? like people told me that about George Fox, people told me that they're very liberal minded. And I was like, what I'm like, explain to me what the word, like what the phrase liberal minded means to you. Like, like, what is that? Like, does that mean that they, they are more kind to people? Does that mean they're more like loving, more accepting of others and different beliefs? Cause if so, then I want that. Like, (laughs) you know, like Uh all these different things. And it's like, you can't live in fear of like, of like, there's like a calm term that we talked about a lot. And it's called siloing like people in the world, especially now, like people silo. Um, and it's essentially like that you, they build their community with simply like-minded people, not like simple people, but just like with mm-hmm. like-minded people around them. And it just, they're literally confined to this spherical silo. Um, and like, what does that do? Like it, it, they're in their own little world and they never leave. And that creates like fear that creates the sense of like, Oh, I'm better than someone else. 
I think that siloing is a like a huge contributor to racism and like mm. the way like racism is like taught and like kind of uh, passed down to like, you know, between families and stuff like, but on a different topic of like, not even just race, but just like, like, uh, I guess just like an inacceptance of others. I think that's all connected to it. So like, you know, doing things, trying new, new things, meeting new people, you know, kind of like you said, like um, being with people, surrounding yourself with people that are different than you. That's all ways to like broaden your horizons. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure the same thing for you. Like when you, like when you were in high school and then fast forward to now, I'm sure there's some aspects of your faith that you don't, you don't necessarily like believe the same way you did before. Like totally. maybe ways God works or like, kind of how faith plays out in lives, you know, the redemptive stories or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I couldn't, couldn't agree with that more. Expanding your and broadening your just perspective. I mean, if God calls us to truly, you know, impact other people and make a difference in their lives. And I mean, then if you're just in your own silo, then you're actually not making a difference on people's lives. Right. Exactly. And if you're so comfortable with where you are, like you're not growing, you're not expanding, you're not, doing any of that kind of stuff. And I I think, I mean, it's super hard to do, but I think you can still like God calls us to love everyone. Right. So you can still love everyone, but disagree with them. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to disagree with people. Mm -hmm. It's okay to think differently. And I think that's what that would make. That's what makes the world a beautiful place is that we get to express that also. Yeah. And we get to express our different views. Yeah. I literally just thought really quick, just on that, like, for anyone that's like maybe listening that like needs to know like how to do that. There's mm-hmm. a, like a quick thing of just like literally saying like saying, yeah, I, I, I hear that. Like I hear that. Um, uh, I think, you know, like it's okay that you th- or like, I, I get why you, why you would think that or something, you know, little phrases like, yeah, I get why you'd say that. Or mm-hmm. I, I get why that would mean impact you that way. Like things like that, where you're like understanding someone, they feel validated mm-hmm. and like heard, but you're not saying you're not like, if it's something that I disagree with, then I, I'm not saying like, yeah, but you're wrong. Like, or yeah, I don't think this way. It's like, no, I, I can understand why you'd feel that. I can understand why that would hurt you or you know whatever. And then like, you can apologize, but you don't have to like, there's no sense in like destroying relationships over disagreements. Mm. Like, I totally agree. We're in, yeah. Yeah. We're in such a world where we want to talk, right. And we want to be heard and we want to do that when in reality, like if you really want to be heard, like, listen, Right. Mm-hmm. And if you can listen to people and not just listen so that you can come back and say something, but listen to actually understand, mm-hmm. like it, it's such, it's such a life changing just perspective. Right. And, and just, yeah, it's truly been one of the things I've had to mature in, you know, instead of trying to be all this and that and speak and have people listen to you, like, you know, it, I think, you know, it's, I'm forgetting exactly who it is, but like, if you want to, like, if you want to be the most interested person, be the most, or sorry, excuse me. If you want to be the most interesting person, like be the most interested, right? Like care what other people think and like care what, what they, yeah. What, what, what their opinions are and their perspectives. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I love that phrase too. Cause it's like, that's the most memorable person you think of is the person that always says like, Oh, Oh wait, you're into that. Like, please, like tell me about it. It's yeah. you know, someone that conveys interest in whatever you're, mm-hmm. you're, you know, your passions are like, yeah. yeah, that's huge. Yeah. I think it's Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Mm. He says that 
He says to be interesting, like to be the most interesting person at the party, you have to be the most interested person and not just being interested to be interesting, but like being interested because you care. Yeah. Right? And I think God calls us all to care and all to serve other people. So that's yeah. awesome. What yeah, a, good, it's a good little tangent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So something, let's see, we let's transition back. So I, yeah. I have, I, mean, I think that was, that was good. And it, it's made me think about some more things too, but as, so as a creator, like you didn't really study, you didn't really study, um, you know, cinematic arts, you weren't a major in it. And so, I mean, I'm guessing you didn't learn everything from school. Right? No. Everything you learned wasn't from school. Right. So how, how did you, how'd you go about that process? Yeah. So I, let's see. Um, so I was a, I was a minor in cinematic arts. Um, but like I took, the, the kind of interesting thing was between like my org com major and my cinematic arts minor is a, some of the classes uh, overlapped. So like mass media and communication uh, is mm-hmm. both cinematic arts credit and com credit. So, and I didn't know that at the time uh, I just took the class cause it sounded interesting. Um, and then there's other classes that, you know, like uh, my script writing for uh, media that class was uh, it kind of took care of partial writing credit for calm and then uh, cinematic arts credit. Um, so I kind of did it that way to kind of get it, not in a sense to like just get a minor and just like, but I was like, Oh, I only need to take one more class or two more classes to achieve this minor. I'm like, and they're film classes. So I was like, what the heck might as well do it. Um, but I learned the bulk. I would say the bulk of my learning initially was through um working at the marketing department of george fox um hmm. like two years ago two and a half years ago i don't know um i got a job from david green who was the video producer who is still to this day like my mentor um and i i in my like honest opinion if david listens to this I don't think he should have hired me based off of the circumstances of I was a good videographer because I had like really crappy work because I was the only experience I had was intro to video and like that intro to video class, you make like horrible projects. Like they're, they're awful looking. You're like, just like scraping the barrel of like, Oh, I'm going to try this. And it like all looks bad. Well, fast forward, he still hired me. Um, and then I like, I kind of realized I was like, man, my job this summer, like, I remember he had, um, it was like a summer internship. I remember he had jury duty for like three weeks. It was like some crazy trial or something. And he was like, there, gone for like three weeks. Um, and I remember in that process, I was literally paid money to sit on YouTube, to watch tutorials. I would like learn something. And then I would grab the camera gear sitting right next to me and I would go out and I would film it. I'd come back and I realized how I screwed it up and I'd try it again. And that was my job. Uh, and then I made, I learned how to make videos that way. And I learned how to do it. Um, and that led to um, being like the interim video producer. So I kind of got through in the thrown in the fire because David took another job. Um, so I kind of had to finish out a couple projects, um, which was pretty daunting for someone that only had like three videos 
they've ever made and they're all shit like like you will not see any of those anywhere close to my reel they're still on my youtube page because i want to try to it's like a visual reminder to be humble because <laughs> that was only like two years ago and they're dog dog crap uh but um i then like transitioned because the the new videographer uh for markham uh was super knowledgeable as well he uh taught me a ton in regards to lighting um, in regards to like, uh, color correction and like, um, kind of like fixing skin tones and things like that, but like were tasks that I didn't really know how to learn online because I didn't have access to lights and stuff. So then I kind of got thrown in the fire again from him. Um, and that was like kind of a different situation. Uh, that was pretty hard. Um, it was just because I wasn't, I wasn't good. Like I was, I was really bad still like, um, so I think there was a, a miscommunication on my skill level when that transition happened between David and Moses, uh, because I, um, I wasn't nearly as experienced as I think he thought I was. So it created like a disconnect, uh, like a cognitive disconnect between like my abilities. Like that gap was not, <laughs> that gap was very vast. The gap was the Red Sea kind of gap. Like it was, it was not good. Um, God, I just made a Bible reference. That's so weird. Um, I just made a Bible joke. I feel like I'm a 40 year old dad, um, like a Christian dad. Uh, but anyways, um, I don't know. I just think those like those moments were pretty influential um, and kind of helped me to kind of launch, if that makes sense, uh, launching my abilities to like create on my own. And then uh, I have I can't. Sorry, I have to say this to uh, Chris. Vanderchef and Daniel Hurst are two incredible mentors as well. Um, because I can't, I wouldn't be anywhere close to like being able to work on such crazy projects like the Lamborghini project or like, uh, any of the slow-mo stuff or like, but cause they've given me crazy opportunities to help them. Um, but consequently learn incredible things from them. Um, and they're, they're great friends. Uh, I consider them way, way more friends, like, like obviously mentors, but way more friends than just like a colleague or like a work friend or, you know, like, um, they're just incredible people. Uh, very kind hearted, very, uh, very passionate about helping others like kind of grow. Um, and I think it's just something that I just want to be able to convey as well, uh, as I get further into my career. Sorry, that was a little tangent, a little spin off of the question initially, but no, I think it's awesome. I think we don't do enough of thanking the people that help us got here, you know, help us get here. Because I think we definitely did not do this on our own. Oh gosh, you know, we can kind of set the path, but without the people that have truly made a difference getting here, we would not not be the same person. And so it's interesting, like you say. And I think with every single interview, in some way or another, people are like, you know, my mentor, my mentor, this, my mentor, that. Like these people that know more than we do. Mm-hmm have gotten us farther than we could ever on our own. Oh yeah. Right. So continuing it's the, to seek out those people. Yeah. It's the, like the phrase, I just saw someone say this yesterday, which is why it's like pressed on my mind, but it's like, um, we're creatures of our community. Mm. Like who we grew up around, who influenced us are like, are the reason why we are who we are in the way we are today. Yeah. And I think that's so powerful. Um, but at the same time that can help see like an obvious like error kind of in our like civilization of like mm-hmm. we let, you know, if you let like kids grow up being kind of like uh, 
malnourished in the sense of not like physical malnourished, but like in people caring for their lives and like impacting them in that way. Like if you let, like if the world lets these kids go by, what are you creating by that same standpoint of like, we are our community. Like we are creatures of our community. Um, what is that? Like, it, I guess to me, it just makes it like, that's like heavy on my heart all the time. Cause I'm like, man, if I can help impact someone to get into film or in like, not in the sense to just like, Oh, there's another body in the film community. It's like, no, like this kid now discovers like his passion. Mm-hmm. Like you're, it's more, that's like kingdom work to me. I think is it's just like, like making an impact to someone, um, you know, helping someone like shift their mindset from like, whether it's like a drastic situation, like, you know, drugs and like hanging out with not so good people to like shifting to like being more like entrepreneur, mm. like, you know, like or entrepreneurial, um, that's the word yeah. I was looking for, you know, just different things like that. It's like, that's kingdom work. Um, and I think that's kind of what going to what you said is like, you know, any field, whatever you're in, that's like, you can, you can minister. And I think that's like what, what like ministry looks like. It's not yeah. standing on a pulpit, like next, you know, in your cubicle, like saying like, I want to teach you about Jesus. It's like just showing an interest in someone's life. It's helping someone make, you know, find their passion and like go to it. It's all these different things. I could go on and on for that, but yeah, there's so many different ways to do it. Definitely. Yeah. I just want to point out something you talked about, which was environment, Mm. right? And it's kind of come up again too, but really the idea that we are shaped more than we think by our environment, right? Which can be a good thing because a rising tide takes all the boats with it, right? Meaning if your environment is super strong and you have great people to look up to and great people to do life with, then you naturally you know, the famous saying, it's like you become the average of the five people you hang around with the most, right? You're the average of those people. Yeah. So if you're, if you're around five amazing people, then you're going to be the average of those people. It's going to lift you up. But at the same time, I mean, it's the same thing, like, you know, a tide that's going lower takes the boat lower as well. Right. So if the people you're around are bringing you down, if you're not conscious about where they're headed, uh, the, the people they're trying to be, you know, that stuff as well, it can be, it works both ways. Yeah. It super works both ways. Just like you said, like being malnourished, not just, I mean, you not just hunger wise, but in so many different ways it can be, yeah, it's honestly heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. No, it is. It's yeah. Oh. So I want to hit on something too. So you, you spoke about a couple of your mentors and I think they had a little bit, a little bit to do with this, but you had an opportunity to go to North Carolina to pretty much work in what you, at least at the time, considered a dream job almost, right? So just, yeah. can you explain, can you explain what, what the job was? Did you just start out with what the job was? Yeah. So the, the job in itself wasn't necessarily like, like the job position. It was like a junior videographer editor. So it wasn't like the dream obviously, but like it was the first time I was offered uh, a full-time like like camera op, like, you know, videographer job in the automotive world. And it was like a salary and it was a good paying salary. Like it was all these things. Um, it was pretty much like, if like I, I thought about it, I'm like, man, if this job was in Portland, I would have snatched it in a second. 
if it was just even on just on the west coast i would have snatched it in a second but the fact that it was north carolina i had a really hard time thinking about that um yeah it was it's for a company called rtr uh they make like uh cool like upgrades and like cosmetic packages and stuff for uh like ford mustangs uh rangers like pretty much all the newer ford models they basically make them beefier make them look really dope um but also they can perform really well too um but the you also film a lot of rtr's racing so like von Gittin jr chelsea denofa you film their off-road uh lauren healy i think that's how you say his last name um you, you film like their off-road racing you film drifting and you know film all the all the above um which is like that's my life you know it's it's anything around a motor it's crazy like it's high high energy things like that like making cool cool content um, yeah. And yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty mind blowing to think about. Um, but I ended up not like not pursuing the job further. Um, I think there was also a complication too, because I was still in school. Um, so they needed someone to be able to travel around and I just literally couldn't do that. But then they also wanted someone to relocate to North Carolina within like six months of accepting the position. And I was like, I thought about that so hard because um for people that don't know like a quick synopsis like my my mom just got married uh about a year and a half ago um to an incredible man um and now i have like and i'm an only child i was an only child so now i have three older sisters and five nieces and nephews and two more on the way like talk about a big family change right um and they all live within an hour of me um right now like in Portland, you know, in this area, like they all live within an hour. Um, and the thought of being like, I think I, I walked into my, my parents' house and my, my little, little nephew cash, who was about like, like maybe 13, 14 months at the time looked at me and like smiled and ran, like charged me and gave me the biggest hug. And I about like, I started to tear up a little bit. Cause I was like, man, I would leave this like, like I would not, you know, I, I thought started thinking about the things of like, man, I would come back, you know, in like six months to visit and they would not really recognize me because I wouldn't be influential in their life. And I was like, I can't do that. Like that in its own, I was like, I, there's no way, like, there's no way this job's worth it. And then on more of a logistic side too, I was like, it's, I don't want to live on the East coast forever. So I was like, I would, I'd be kind of putting on, because I was trying to, I was trying to dissect the thing of like, am I scared to go or am I like, you know, am I trying to to not take a risk? And I ended up actually thinking about it. I'm like, actually the risk that would have been the safe way to do it because it had salary. And I, that took a long time to think about because I was like, Oh no, it's risky, right? You're moving across the country. And it's like those things, but it's like, no, I was moving across the country for consistency for like, you know, all that, all the above. Whereas like now I'm like pursuing freelance full time, which is hella risky, <laughs> like especially in a freaking pandemic. Like de- definitely didn't expect that, but um, yeah, family. I'm definitely a family guy. Family means the most. And then Miranda lives here, and she would get a job here too. So long distance relationship, I that would have sucked. Like I'm a connection guy. Like <laughs> I love connection. Like I love I love being able to interact and have and like to be able to hug Miranda, obviously like, so like living 3000 miles away would not be ideal for either of us. I think it's kind of something that we all have to deal with at some point, which is 
you know, work or family and kind of like determine what are your values. Right. And it's just, it's a super tough decision and you chose the family over that. So I'm just curious. I mean, you spoke about a little bit, but it just, you felt like you were missing out on too much Mm. if you were to go to North Carolina. Yeah, I would have, I think, I think without a doubt, I would have missed out on birthdays. I would have missed out on just like even the, the small little family get togethers, like the, just a quick little spur of the moment weekend things, you know, those are the things that, that matter the most to me. And like, I don't, I never wanted to be that, that guy in the family that you only see on like family, at family reunions or like Christmas or Thanksgiving. Like, cause those are the, cause I think about my side of the family that does that. And I'm like, those are the people that, that you're like, you're not influential in my life. Like fact is, you know, like, you're still important and you're still loved. Obviously you're my family, you know, all these things, but like, you're not like a goat. Like when I think of like the impactful people in my family, in my life, they're not one of them strictly because they weren't not because they aren't incredible people, but because they weren't in my close inner circle. So I just, I wanted to, I wanted to be able to do that. And now like really quick, I have the sweetest bond with that, with cash. Like he's, he's into cars Anytime a car drives by that's really loud or it sounds really good, he gets this crazy excitement on his face and he looks at me and goes like, boom, boom, and like starts making these little noises. And I, and it melts my heart because I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I successfully turned him into a car guy, like without a doubt. Um, so. No, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, I know. It's really cool. Yeah. I think it's, I guess the reason I kind of bring that up is I think, there's not necessarily a right answer for everyone, but that was just kind of the decision you made. And so I just wanted to see how you went about thinking about that. And it just kind of stemmed to your values and priorities and what was important to you. And um, it's not saying like that was the only right decision. Um, I don't want people to necessarily think that, but I think for you, it, it really sounded like that. And your heart is happy with that decision. I just, I respect that a lot. Yeah. I mean, can I ask you the same question? Cause I know family is really important to you and you're, going east coast you know going to wall street mm-hmm. so like can like how do you feel about that decision and like kind of what what emotions and like feelings were you thinking like feeling uh kind of leading up to the decision to like accept the position hmm. that's a super good question honestly and i think forever i i just even kind of going to oregon for school versus colorado i wanted to get away and i wanted to experience more things not to get away from my family like i love them so much but to just see the world as a bigger place. Yeah. Right. And I think just like we said, like our environment kind of helps us grow. And if you're so comfortable in one environment, then I mean, don't get me wrong. That's a beautiful thing to be comfortable like with your family and stuff. But if, you know, growth is super important to you and you know that if you're only hanging out with your family every day, which I love, and that's such a blessing to be able to do the last six, seven, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. But if you're only doing that and you're staying so comfortable then, and you're not growing, but that's, like what fulfills you is to be able to grow also, right. And to be able to do all that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I don't have any young siblings, young siblings, young family right now. So I don't have to see them grow up. I mean, you know, I went to New York and interned this last summer and it felt like at least every other day I would FaceTime my parents and my sister. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, even if it's just for a little thing, I mean, the beautiful thing about technology is you get to do that. But I mean, at the end of the day, I just, I want to grow and I want to pursue. And I feel like my mission is to see the world as a bigger place and get out and meet more people and grow connections and grow myself in the process. Right. I mean, being on your own, I think it's one of the biggest opportunities to grow. 
And so, yeah. cause you have to figure out stuff for yourself, you know, and I was almost a little bit too comfortable at home in mm. a way. And I've talked to my parents about this and comfortable in a good way. Meaning like, I think I've grown a lot since I kind of first said that statement, like where I'm able to, you know, still focus on what I feel like is God's pulling my heart to. But I think it was just, I needed to get away for a little bit. And I think home's always going to be there. You know, I mean, family is never always going to be small, like in your case, but I think home's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. And if we always stay in our own place, then we never see what else is out there. And guess what? Like if I go to New York and I absolutely hate it, like I know that now. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't think that's going to be the case, but if I do, then I do. Right. And you know, but you would never know if I wouldn't have gone there. Oh, it kind of drove my decision. Dude, I think that's, that's so impactful. Um, yeah. And like, I love what you said too, about like, you didn't want to embrace comfortability. Um, like, you know, like being comfortable isn't bad, but like, I think your home will always be there. And I think, you know, going to New York when you're able to come back to Colorado, I think what's cool is you're going to like, you're going to experience like beautiful, like beautiful landscapes of Colorado. And then you're going to experience kind of smoggy cities, but you're going to come back and it's, and it's not like the, like each of each or, you know, one's better than the other, but it's going to be when you, when you're able to come back to Colorado, you're going to breathe deeper and you're going to be like, man, this, like, you're going to appreciate things differently. Uh, and then when you go back to the city, you're going to appreciate things differently. You know, it's like, I love the fact that you were broadening your horizons. Wow. I can't speak. Um, it re- reminded me of a really quick, uh, phrase that just really speaks to me. It's like make moves that scare you. And like, I guess to me, I don't know about you, but I like th- the thought of like, man, moving to to New York, like that's like, it's like in every song, you know, it's like in all these things. I'm like, that's a scary move, dude. Like, like that's a big move. So you're, you're literally moving across the country. Like that's crazy. Um, but it's like, that's where the growth happens is it when you make moves that scare you. Yeah, no, exactly. I feel like I knew myself and I knew that this, I had to do this for myself. Like I had to take, take the chance. And it kind of, you said something too about appreciating it more. And that's, I couldn't like say how true that actually is because, you know, I grew up in high school since early, since I was like six years old, we've lived in the mountains right here in Colorado. So super small, small town, I guess you could say like, there's not even really a house around us that we can see. Like that's how kind of, you know, just out there it is. And it's beautiful. But I, during high school, I did not appreciate it. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in town with all my friends. Like it's 25 minutes to high school like to drive down there 30 minutes to like see my friends. And I just, I hated that honestly. And I was not very appreciative of it, but then coming back and leaving this place and then coming back during college, it's like, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Like it just, it takes my breath away and being able to be out in nature and, you know, just seeing a different perspective from a different perspective, broadening your horizons again, which is what we talked about. It's just, it makes you see the world in a whole new, whole new different way. So, oh, one hundred percent. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah, dude. Well, that's so good. Um, we went on a couple of tangents that I wasn't expecting, but I really, really enjoyed, and it's been fun thinking mm-hmm. through them with you. Oh, dude, it's been so nice. I always love talking yeah. to you, and uh, yeah. you're a very, very, uh, for one, just a very great friend. Uh, yeah. You're a great friend, and then uh, you're also a wonderful listener. And you ask really engaging questions because uh, there's a lot of questions you asked too that it was like <laughs> I had to sit there. I remember because like I look up when I'm when I'm like ah oh, what do I think and like 
Like <laughs> I, I had a lot of those moments. So um, yeah, thank you so much for your questions and uh, for being such a great friend and uh, being a, like a caring individual that you are. Um, I just want to affirm you in that too. Absolutely. Evan, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Thanks for asking me some questions as well. It's been, it's been fun. You're, you're definitely a great friend as well. And I'm looking forward to continue doing life with you, even if it's all the way across the country. So Heck yeah, dude. Um, hey, thank you so much again. Thanks for being flexible too. We, I said course. this at the beginning, but we, we did this about a month ago and I messed up. So it's, I guess, part of the startup journey. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I appreciate you being flexible with it. Of course, dude. And that wraps up this episode of the Grasping Life podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Feel free to subscribe for new episodes. And if you got any value out of this, feel free to share it with someone else who might as well. I would love to connect with you on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn if you search for Lane Kimbrough. And it would make me super happy if you wanted to chat about it on the phone. My number is 720-625-2905. And I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again. Until next time.